It's the BS Podcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. One message for you took from your aunt. Uh-huh. She will bust both of you in the head. You know who me? It's not rocket size, you know. I think you, like me, um, have a face for radio. You know who me? We gonna play. That's why it sucks. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. This kind of unprofessionalism does not need to be tolerated. And I mean it. Like, you know who me? You know who me? You know who me? You know who me? What the hell is going on here? Let's all hang up. Another episode of the BS Podcast. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's all kinds of noise in my ear now. Oh, jeez. We need a little bit more professionalism. It's that time again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It is the BS Podcast with your favorite people on planet Earth. Out of almost 8 billion, you have three of your favorite all in one place. It is I, the Q-Dog, along with Wild Bill and his Bama Bullet Points and Cindy. Cindy, the superstar, Smith. Our saver, saving correspondent. I, I don't even have a nickname for Aunt Cindy, um, so we gotta we gotta come to terms with that. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the very first show of 2023. Josh and Austin in the basement will not make this particular show, but hopefully we'll have them on next week. And as we get started, lots to talk about in the world of college football. But before we do that, Happy New Year! Everybody, happy new year! Happy new year! I, uh, if if we were, you know, if I was better at what I did as a producer, I would have had some uh, applause queued up, but uh, <laughs> I'm just not there yet. So, with that, there you go. All right, let's jump right into it for the first quarter. We are going to talk about the All State Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Kansas State. Then we will talk about that crazy TCU game, that insane Georgia game, and we will talk about our predictions and what we thought was going to happen. Um, Uncle Bill, looking at the All-State Sugar Bowl, Alabama-Kansas State, uh, I really I had some issues. Um, I, I switched over to Spectrum. They're finally available where I'm at. Canceled my DirecTV. I already pay 80 bucks a year for ESPN Plus. So I did not add the ESPN package to my Spectrum cable. And uh, I go to try to watch the game and it says, "Oh, sorry. You can't watch media because it's not a part of your cable package." And uh I was about to go scorched earth, running through <laughs> doors, smashing walls. I already had a lot going on anyway. And this was just, uh, I can't remember the last time I've thrown my phone in a remote control, but it happened that day. <laughs> and um, I went downstairs. I'm like, we're not watching the game. And uh, she goes, Anissa's like, well, why don't you see if jo- Uncle Josh will FaceTime you and, uh, and like, let you watch the game. I said, Uncle Josh is not going to do that. We're not watching the game. And then he called me, and he actually saved the day. He said, dude, take my sign in, watch the game. 
And so I got in uh, with about three minutes left. So props to Josh for hooking his brother up so I could watch the football game. At the point I joined the game, it was 10 to 0. And I thought, well, this is not pretty. A couple of stall outs as uh, things went through. But Uncle Bill, give me uh, give me your opening thoughts on what you thought of the uh, the Sugar Bowl and how things went. We started out like we have uh, several games, like uh, – like we wasn't prepared. Like, you know, you come out flat. How, how can you come out flat to begin with at the Sugar Bowl? But there again, Kansas State was, they wanted to show that they could play with Alabama. They were psyched to be there. But uh, kudos to the staff and the players. They got their act together and they started rolling playing Alabama football. But for some reason this year, uh, I was going to look it up, and I forgot to. I wanted to look to see how many games we went without scoring first time we had the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I like you, I remember, I remember when the stat was: look at how many times in a row they've scored the first time they've had the ball. Touchdown on their opening drive, but we was three and out, and it was just. Yeah, I mean, it was ugly. The first series was ugly. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have so many weeks to prepare, and as an offensive play group, your first umpteen plays are scripted and supposed to be scripted against where you think the weakness in their defense is. Right. And so for us to jump on and go three and out, it's like, dude, you're professional. You yeah. Three and out. I, it's just it's so sad. Um, but like you say, the guy settled in. Um, and for me, I guess if it's Kansas State, you could look at Kansas State and say it was the All-State Super no, Sugar Super Bowl for them because, yes, it's like we get a shot at Alabama, and there's no doubt they're going to come along and they're going to give their absolute best. Um, and their team is at full stride. I don't know how many people, if any, they had in the transfer portal, but they came to play, and we all know the score and what it ended up as, but I would say I'm impressed with the product of football that Kansas State put on the field. It just they, I never saw them stop competing, no matter what the score was. So I'm I'm really proud for them. And hey, look, they they actually beat. It was an overtime game, and and TCU, you know, they went for for two points to try to win it all um, and lost it, but they they beat TCU. Uh, by all accounts yeah so you know for them to have a 10 and 3 uh season alabama to to end up 11 and 2 um you know i know there were questions and city as we were talking back and forth in the chat and you were watching the game um after it's all said and done do you think the committee made the right choice with the four teams they put in or was alabama left off unjustifiably I do think they were left out on purpose. And I guess a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. But like we've talked about this several times. I don't know if, if y'all have talked about this on the podcast or not. But and I know it's been changed, you know, they think for the better and they're gonna regroup it and do it again. But you know, like back in the day, the sugar bowl was like one of the top bowls. Yeah. The cotton bowl, the rose bowl. Um, what was the orange, bowl. the orange bowl? Like those were your big 
bowl games, you know, during that time. And so it just, that's what we were talking about. Like the sugar bowl, when did the sugar bowl ever get played at 11 o'clock on a Saturday? <laughs> I mean, you know. Isn't that disturbing? Uh, huh? I said, isn't that disturbing? Yes, it is. And so it's like almost they kind of did it intentionally. And then you you start seeing a lot of these people talking about the SEC and the teams and the SEC. But, you know, Alabama still won. Thank goodness. You know, their bowl game. Um, I don't know if it changed anybody's opinion about kind of where they are. I mean, they still didn't play like, you know, I felt like 100%. I mean, they had some good plays and they did win. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's like, they just don't want them to be there so bad. They just trying to keep them out. And so it's like, they just kind of got shuffled over to the side, you know, somewhat. Um, yeah. but I mean, it was a good game because you know, when it, when they first started, I was like, uh Oh, this might not be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, they got it together and, um, you know, Bryce had some great, um, they had some great plays. And I mean, I think he went, you know, he finished, you know, I guess if you could say he finished on top, I mean, he, he had a really good game and, um, we're really going to miss him, you know, um, I hope they got somebody lined up. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, so if I'm, if I'm looking at the four teams that played in the playoffs, I'm going to say, and Uncle Bill, I'll get your thoughts as well. I'm going to say the committee got it right, just based on how competitive both of the games were. Um, I'm I'm slightly surprised at uh, the Michigan situation and, and do believe that Alabama would have probably been a lot more competitive and potentially could have beaten TCU. Um but I couldn't see them – I couldn't see Bama getting in over Michigan in any shape, form, or fashion. And then, you know, judging judging by uh, their performance with Michigan and TCU and then contrasting that to with the performance of Ohio State mm-hmm. and Georgia, I'm going, man, it looks like Michigan got away with one. <laughs> who, who knows what happened? Mm-hmm. So – it's really interesting, but I would say, I would say that Alabama was placed right at number five, um, and I don't, I don't feel jaded that they got left out of the playoffs. I do, I do feel that, you know, whoever set the time for the games, I do feel that uh, Bama was was slighted, being at eleven o'clock. That is, that's just, I don't know. That's a that's an that's insulting a to such a high level or you know high what is it uh high profile supposedly high profile bowl game um and i know you gotta people are going out to celebrate that night and then you know you have the two playoff games that night etc but i i think i just think bama got slot slided by playing at 11 o'clock um on new year's eve all right uncle bill what are your thoughts did uh did the committee get it right or who would you have put uh, in and left out on the? No, I th- I think they did. I mean, you, you know, you, when you think about it, 
how many field goals did Rockard miss all year? You know, make a 50-yard field goal against Tennessee, and they're not dancing in Rocky Top. That's right. <laughs> you, you know, or stop the tight end from converting a two-point conversion. But uh, I, I think they got it right. I think it'll make us more uh, hungrier for next year to, with the guys that do come back to see how close and, and Quincy even to realize that, hey, two plays, we could have been undefeated and been number one going into the playoff. Yep. Um, but two plays during the course of a season cost us. And uh, but uh, I, I think they got it right because it was two excellent semifinal games. Uh, I mean, even even your aunt watched them, you know, <laughs> and she usually don't watch it unless it's Alabama. But I mean, what what two better games? And and in reality, out of the four teams, uh, to me, TCU and Ohio State looked the best. Coach, most certainly I outplayed Georgia. Most certainly, most certainly. Georgia, gotta... Georgia's defense was taken to the woodshed. They certainly were. They had, and it almost looked. And this is this is silly to say, but it almost looked like Tennessee and LSU playing Alabama in the secondary. That's what it reminded me of. That Ohio State uh, passing attack yeah. against Georgia. And it's like, okay, at what point, at what point are y'all going to stop letting that, that guy run free in your secondary and catch these big passes and embarrass you? And, um, you know, Georgia came up, but I really, truly think, um, I really, truly think that the guys at Georgia were just kind of looking past Ohio State because they got beat so bad at the end of the game by Michigan. Then they had guys opting out to play so really you know 18 19 and a 25 year old players um i think they see that and it and it makes them somewhat complacent and they almost lost it and i mean how how crazy i don't know what the i don't know where that uh kicker was kicking to but how crazy <laughs> you know kicking. <laughs> <laughs> how crazy is it that 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 happens now um, I think TCU is is poised, and uh, the best thing that could have happened for Georgia was a struggle win um, against Ohio State, and then seeing what TCU did uh, to Michigan, that's the best thing that could have happened because now they're on notice. And that kind of leads me to the conversation we were having as we close out this first quarter here that we were having, you know, in, in Austin – really wanting to understand why these other teams seem to have the the level of intensity that Alabama used to have. And, and really, Uncle Bill, for me, I, I look at it, and it looks like they have much more composure than Alabama uh, has now. And Alabama used to be the team that could dominate and have their composure and come out and, as David Goggins says, just steal your soul and run you over. Mm-hmm. And – what I was trying to explain to him in a, in a certain way, you know, and this is like from my time as a coach. And like I say, I'm, I'm in no way trying to make, make out like I know anything. I coached high school football, which is a lot of fun. It's, it's very complicated. It's highly competitive. It's, but it's not to the degree, obviously 
that these coaches in the in the collegiate level. But what happens is when you uh, when you get a particular mindset, you sign the dotted line at a place like Alabama. You you can develop an idea that you're just entitled to show up on the field and win. Like, oh, I'm at Alabama, and and even though I don't do what I need to do, Coach Saban's going to find a way to make this happen. And maybe not as maybe subconsciously, you're not understanding that it still takes the process and the commitment. It takes the intensity. It takes the mental development to make these things happen. And and you hear that in players that came before uh, these gentlemen, the the guys that did do this, the guys that set. Uh, that were a part of setting that standard, and they say, hey, we don't see this anymore. And so what has to happen is when you uh, when you get to this place, because success can truly bleed, it, it can breed complacency. And uh, when you stop um, paying attention to details, when you stop uh, coming to the practice field with your level of intensity at a high, no matter what your fellow man is doing, when you come to the field distracted, you see what we saw as a product on the field for Alabama, and you and you don't see the things that you're familiar with. And you know, I I think in my mind, Coach Saban is his. Uh, this is a great situation. He said last year was rebuilding, and look at the season we had this year. Albeit we're eleven and three, we won the Sugar Bowl in very convincing fashion. It's not their standard though. It's not the standard that they set. It's not the goals that they um, they set for themselves as a program and why guys returned. But to me, it uh, it has to do with um, the amount of complacency that comes along in the entitlement that I'm at Alabama, so things are just going to happen when it's like that cannot happen. And if that's in the locker room and it breeds itself, it, it, like, um, it contaminates the system enough, there's no real – amount of leadership that's going to be able to work that out so late in the season. Yeah, we finished 11 and 2, not 11. 11 and 2. Oh, um, my fault, my fault. Well, you know as as we we were sitting here watching the game the the defenses of the two, the four semi the two semifinal games. Them guys were hitting. Mm-hmm. You know, they were hitting you. It just seems like it, a lot of times that we we really aren't hitting people. It's just grab a hold and drag them down. I mean, because I'm thinking, man, if I wish our defense our defense would get back to the back the day that that they played like that. But you know, like Georgia, just because Stetson Bennett looked terrible the other night for the most of that game. When when Alabama was really got to rolling, and all, we didn't play no games like that. We didn't nearly get beat by you know stuff. But it's you know, but in a way, I was wanting Georgia to lose because you know Georgia, all the Georgia fans, they've won a national title now after forty years. They're the King Kong of football now. Right. Uh, everything you know, and and they like to run that mouth. Uh, but let's see if they can win set six or seven in ten years, twelve years, you know. But uh, the Alabama, when they were rolling, like they, when the, all of this got started, 
you didn't see Alabama play games like that. But nowadays it's just, you know, which the penalties, we, we cut that cut down on the penalties in the bowl game. But, but it's like Coach Saban had said, some of the guys that went in the portal, it's what we call they were cancer. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, so they 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 checked out about with two or three games left in the season, according to the coach. And it's you, you know it's it's pretty evident that if you perform, you play. So, I mean we we were just begging for wide receivers to catch footballs and. Fortunately, they showed up in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, otherwise, though, I mean, you guys are dropping passes that are hitting them in the hands, and that's part of that's part of why it's kind of a, a relief for me. And this will sound weird. I'll kind of finish that up. But um, you know, when it comes to our predictions, and I'll talk about why it's a relief that Bryce is is uh, is declared for the NFL. Um, Let's look at what we predicted as a group. Wild Bill. <laughs> what does four end up being, by the way? 45 to 20. 40. 45 to 20. All right. Wild Bill, your prediction was 31 to 20. Look at that. Look Ooh. at that. Uh, Austin Dash, prediction 42-22. Look at that. Look at that. Josh Moran, prediction and he said his was an emotional prediction rather than uh, reality, but 53 to nothing. <laughs> and then uh, Quincy Moran, his prediction, 49 to 17. Hmm. So, you know, Austin and I were the closest, but uh, if you check the over-under, he had a difference, a total points difference of five, and I had a total points difference of seven. So the win goes to the dash man at 42 to 22 pretty fancy i just i went based on the numbers and they uh they steered me pretty close um now let's go look at some of the other predictions that we made this is going to be michigan tcu what did that game end up being i better go look at that real quick uh it was one point. Yeah. It was one point. They won, wasn't it? Let's go look. 5145 oh, TCU. Okay. okay. A little more than that. So um, we have predictions here. Uncle Bill, 3428 Michigan. Austin, 3420 Michigan. Josh, 4714 Michigan. Quincy Moran, 38 to 16, the Horn Frogs. So the only dude, the only guy on the podcast to pick TCU for the win. I was nowhere close on the score, um, but I did pick them to win because I thought they could pick off old Harbaugh, and it worked out. Now let's go over to Georgia and Ohio State. That was 42 to 41. 42-41. So if we look at uh, – if we look at those scores, Uncle Bill, 41-20. Austin, 42-20. Josh, 49-7. <laughs> Quincy Moran, 
28-10. So we were all way, way off. We did all predict that Georgia would beat Ohio State, but uh, we had a lot more faith in Georgia performing than Georgia performed. So <laughs> there you have it. But uh, good, I would good. say overall, I, th- I think we did pretty good, wouldn't you say? Yep. Yeah, but you know one thing like about them, uh, I felt like Kirby wasn't afraid to – change things up you know what i mean like when um i guess like on the ohio state quarterback like he changed up how they were rushing him even though i mean they still scored those points but like you know there were times that he had a hard time like you know getting the ball away or whatever because it was just like a mad dash for the quarterback yeah Um, blitzing all the time and then they did a couple of little um, you know, surprise plays, I guess. So I guess you have to be willing to take those chances too. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, I think it's – I'm with you, and I, I think it is extremely imperative that if you're doing something and it's not working, you have to find a way to adapt. And that's something that Bama used to be great at, at that halftime adjustment. Like as, as dominant as we could be in the first half, the adjustments we made after halftime – would just completely annihilate the other team. Now, of course, there were we had issues with certain types of quarterbacks and, and playmakers. And if it's uh, you know, Johnny and Mike Evans from the Texas A and M game, um, or Deshaun Watson and uh, uh, Clemson and stinking Hunter Renfro, <laughs> we had we had issues that we couldn't correct. We were still extremely competitive. We lost the championship game on the last play. Um, we also beat that team. We also beat Clemson. So mm-hmm. I don't know what has happened with our inability to outcoach another football team. I think it has to do with the quality of coaches. Now, Bill O'Brien uh, obviously was able to go and coach at the highest level, be competitive, and win football games. But I do not believe that uh, – I just don't believe he's a great schemer when it comes to um, coaching college football for that very reason, Aunt Cindy, because he's not adaptable. It's my way, my plays, and that's just what you hear from like a Greg McElroy who probably does have a peek behind the curtain. He does not adapt to what the defense is doing, and that, that might even speak to our first series, Uncle Bill. And, uh, you know, you got weeks to plan for it. Here's the script. Oh, well, it didn't work, and uh, we didn't adapt, and so we're three and out to start the game. Now, albeit, you know, we scored 45. We probably easily could have scored, you know, at least 10, 10 more points at the end of that game, but we just went vanilla, which that, I got to tell you, that bugs the trash out of me. <laughs> Why don't? Why don't those other guys get the opportunity to shine? Let these guys see what they can do. I mean, the the second team defense, they get to play fully competitive, right? But then you get the offense, you get Milrow out there, and we're running the ball up the middle. It's like, come on, man. Why are we going vanilla? Allow these guys the opportunity on this stage to play against this first team defense. Why not? I just I don't get it. Which I think that's a coach. Jay's got to, but I, you know, I, I still don't understand why Roy Dale doesn't, you know, doesn't get to play more. 
mean, he was playing yeah. a different position. So on the opening kick, uh, uh, on one of them kickoffs, he tattooed that return man. First, uh, first time Alabama had to kick off. Was that? Yeah, I missed that. That wasn't opening kick, was it? Was, yeah, I think it was. It was either that one. Somebody roared out and seen you said, "What's he doing on special team?" <laughs> I said he's just contributing wherever he's needed. Wherever he can. And, uh, yeah, that and, – and that, you know, I kind of put that in the text third as well before we jump over to Wild Bill and Spamble Bullet Points and the stats. I don't know why we're not running the big back to wear the defense down. That's what I was – Just wear them down. Yeah. And then put and put Jameer in and let him just speed right past them when they're too tired. I don't get that. That's – of course, that's my philosophy – and uh, you see, I'm not making millions of dollars coaching, so obviously, obviously, it's not a great philosophy. Um, we got but, we got two pretty good sized running backs coming in. Yeah, we are missing. God, God love Jameer Gibbs. I I mean, when he's your top receiver and your top rushing uh, running back, um, that's a problem. But good for him because I hope it. Uh, I hope it just ups his his stock at the next level. He is a really he's a really good running back, but yeah. we're missing that uh, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry style running back. We're just missing him. Mark um, Ingram, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, and Mark was undersized compared to those other four guys you mentioned, uh, but he just had a certain way about him where he he had the fortitude to run the bow. Major Ogilvy from Throwback. Oh, good. <laughs> he wasn't big, though. I know, but he was good. Lord, she's going back to the late seventies. <laughs> Who was that? Johnny Musso. Major Ogilvy. Oh, yeah, Major Ogilvy. Yeah, Johnny okay. Musso. Yeah, that that may we may be going too far back. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to tell you. I don't think there's any the best back just of all time. You know, for me. I would have to go with Derrick Henry. Um, when you run the ball 89 times against Auburn, <laughs> you're my hero. And uh, Najee Harris kind of started out a bit slow. Yeah. He finished. He finished at a very high level. But, man, nothing, nobody has got the goods like Derrick Henry had the goods, man. What an incredible guy. Incredible running back. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, Wild Bill and his Bama bullet points as we move into the second quarter here and talk about Alabama, Kansas State. We'll talk about some bullet points and give you the stats for the football game. Well, my bullet points have went in a different direction today. Uh, I'm writing stuff down. All of my bulletin uh, points are about our quarterback that declared for the draft. What a man. What a mighty good man. Um, I dig it. He he left Alabama with a 23-4 and four record. One, he was on one national championship team. He won one Heisman Trophy. Two-time All-SEC honors. Only Bama quarterback to throw for over 3,000 yards in two separate seasons. Wow. Uh, which... In reality, he had over 8,000 yards passing. It was right at 8,400 yards passing in two years. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, he threw for five uh, TD passes in the Sugar Bowl. 
He threw for uh, had seventy five uh, TD passes in his career, but he had uh, a total of eighty touchdowns in his two years at Alabama. And I just thought, you know, let let me go a different route. Uh, what a class act he's been since he is at Alabama. Um, you know, I just admire all these guys that come in and especially now with the NIL, they could get in so much trouble. You know, all, yeah, I mean, people after them, members of the opposite sex after them, you can get in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Take uh, an individual like Bryce, never any off-field issues. Uh, you know, most of them don't. You've got some that, but what a class. And and I just thought I wanted to do that because him and Will could have just said, I'm not playing. That's right. But 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 they hung in there. They played. They wanted to provide the leadership. They wanted to show that, hey, we signed a scholarship to be a part of the team, so we're sticking with them till the end of the season. Most definitely. What's wrong with Most the guys? I, I don't have a problem with them entering the transfer portals, you know, but why don't you honor your teammates and whatnot and play till the season's over and then go into the portal? But, you know, I absolutely agree. Got some, Quincy, that are cancer to the team, go ahead and get out. Yeah. Go ahead and go ahead and hit the, hit the portal quick. Yeah. Like, quick and i you know it's um it's just unfortunate uh that bryce and it's not his fault it's unfortunate he did not have a marquee receiver uh this season to pick up and i mean he was he was unbelievably blessed to have the cast that he did before right um but if you it, it doesn't make any sense to imagine it but if you imagine if you will one of those other one of those other guys stayed on. This is a national championship team. Um, well, just imagine if he had had both of them last year in the championship game. True. Four quarters, Matchy and Jamison. Just imagine. I mean, just it, right. And uh, and so with that, I mean, there's only so much that uh, there's only so much that that one man can do. But and and the other sad fact is that he has. Um, I'm certain that he has a great deal of leadership. I think the unfortunate thing is, is that his leadership style may not have been compatible with this particular group because of their lack of discipline in other areas. <laughs> and I truly believe that as he, when he moves to the next level, um, his leadership style is going to be very, very, effective because we see that same thing with Jalen and his ability to move to the NFL. He's, he is like a stoic. He's quiet, he's confident, and he doesn't get rattled. And that's what Bryce Young brings to the table. And I just wish that, uh, there were more, there were more guys that were in, um, you know, from a dedication perspective, from a consistency and a discipline perspective. Um, but but it didn't work out that way. But, you know, to know what he did 
in two years and to know the, the, the guys that he followed and the amount of success that he had. He followed Jalen. He followed Tua. He followed Mac. Um, and he still had such tremendous success. And I, I'm happy. I mean, we were speculating whether he would come back or whether or not he would go ahead and declare. And for his sake, I'm glad. I'm glad that he declared. I think he has done all he could possibly do uh, for this particular group and for our university. And it's time for him to close the chapter um, at Alabama and move on to what awaits him in the NFL. And uh, that for him, I'm excited. For us, it's it's kind of what we deserve. We need to move on, and uh, and we need to grow up. And I believe we have very, very capable individuals that can play the game. So I wouldn't want. I mean, I hope to the high heaven that Bill uh, that uh, Bill O'Brien doesn't go to an offensive coordinator position, and then Bryce gets <laughs> gets drafted to that team. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen, but. Uh, well, the, I'll go through. Uh, uh, to go me, question, the ultimate compliment uh, for Bryce was I was reading an article today on Kansas State's coach, and uh, he he praised about you know how good of a team and athletes that Alabama had, and they knew that going in. The one thing that he regretted, he said, was he wanted to be able to talk to Bryce Young when the game was over, but there was so much commotion and everything going on he got intercepted <laughs> and couldn't get yeah. him he said but i wanted to talk to that young man and tell him that that's that's what college football is was him that, and that's in, that's very moving in the bowl game but he didn't get a chance to do that he said that was his only regret other than him not winning but uh, yeah no doubt man for an opposing coach that's pretty high praise it is. It is. It's a. It's a shame he didn't get a chance to talk to him and give him the accolades that he wanted to. But for him to see it, you know, and for for people to constantly talk about, you know, how great Bryce Young is, I never saw that it went to his head. And uh, he just went out and wanted to compete. And uh, he did. You know, he had flashes of that uh, out loud, aggressive leadership. And it. And and in the moment, it made it made the difference. But I look forward to both he and Will Anderson and what they're going to do in the pros. And uh, I hope, I just pray that uh, what they do is successful. As he was, you know, walking off the field, I just uh, I just had such a, a deep level of appreciation for how he conducted himself and that he chose, he chose to come to Alabama. He could have gone anywhere. Right. He could have, he could have went to, to USC or whatever. He could have hit the transfer portal. Um, when he knew he had no wide receivers coming back, but uh, it's a lost, it's lost in this day and age um, for you to do what you say and and uh, for you to say what you mean and and mean what you say and and to follow through. So very grateful that he did that, and I look forward to what he's going to do at the next level. And let's talk a little bit of stats uh, in Alabama's forty-five to twenty win uh, over Kansas State. First downs, Alabama had seventeen. Kansas State had eighteen. Come on now. Uh, third down efficiency, uh, four of ten for the Tide. Seven of eighteen for Kansas State. Fourth down efficiency, Bama nothing for nothing. Kansas State two for three. Ooh, that fires me up. Uh, total yards, Alabama four hundred and ninety-six. Kansas State four hundred and one. Uh, passing yards, Bama, 321, 
K-State 210. And it looks like uh, Bryce, we, we know that Milrow, I think, had one pass. Um, but he went 15 of 22, and uh, K-State went 18, of, uh, 18 for 35. Uh, rushing yards, Alabama had 175, and uh, K-State had 191. A hundred of those rushing yards came in the first quarter. So, I'm on one run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. So up in 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I gotta tell you, those are not the records we want to be breaking. <laughs> um Alabama had uh, five penalties for 45 yards, K State six penalties for 40 yards. No turnovers for the Crimson Tide. K State had two, which was very, very exciting. Uh two of those were interceptions. And then something that is uh that we always look at as a stat, whether Alabama's performed well and can win. Uh, K-State, time of possession, they win that 35 minutes and four seconds to Alabama's 24 minutes and 56 seconds. So we're talking a full 10 minutes minutes of of possession um, and only 91 yards rushing for three quarters. That's about 30 yards a quarter if you you just kind of average it out. So – you know, stat-wise, um, for giving up 400 yards we, of total offense, you know Alabama fans cannot stand to do that. But uh, that being said, we nearly had 500, and we probably could have put 150 more yards on there, but uh, we let Milrow come in and hand the ball off nine times, and, you know, we barely got anything out of that. But overall, um, really, really happy that uh, that Alabama took care of business because the last thing any of us wanted on this podcast was another Utah. Right. <laughs> we did not want another Utah. So with that, we'll move on to the third quarter, and we will bring in Cindy, the superstar, Smith, Saban correspondent, with her download of what's been going on with Coach Saban. Uh, Aunt Cindy, um, in your sit-down with uh, Coach Saban yesterday, how did things go, and what did you find out? She didn't listen to him very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. A lot going on, man. Lots going on. I did come across this article <laughs> that had uh, something that he did say after the game, and uh, what they titled it was Alabama's Nick Saban Takes Veiled Shot at players who transferred out at Sugar Bowl podium. So yes, it I said, loved it. It says, um, several key players elected to participate instead of voluntarily sit out or transfer. So what he said was, I think the guys who are here today, the team who's here today is a great representative of the youth. University of Alabama. And it goes on to say that much like other schools in the transfer portal era, the Crimson Tide had several players enter the portal after the team's regular season. What separated Alabama from other schools that participated in non-playoff bowl games was that two star players, of course we know Bryce and Will Anderson, chose to play in the bowl game instead of sitting out to preserve their health. 
Saban has stated in the past that he believes the best way for players to make a case for themselves with their draft stock is to actually play in football games. So, um, I mean, you know, and when you think back, like, um, probably, I guess, just within the last, you know, 10 years, um, you know, players didn't have that option. You you right. went and played in the bowl game. Like, there was no thought of, oh, okay, okay, I, th- I think I'll sit this one out. Um, you played for the team. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I guess in, a, in a, his own way, he let that be known that, you know, um, he felt like, you know, they, they made the right choice, those two. And, you know, he, he did, I did hear him say that um, this was a great group of guys, a great, you know, with great, the team had great players. Um, so I think he was probably relieved in a sense to um, have that win and then be able to rest a day or two before, you know, <laughs> getting back out there, um, you know, getting ready for, the upcoming season, you know, so uh, in 2023. So. Hey, Quincy, here would be a question. Or either Sydney might look at it. Okay, all of the all of the football players, they're on a one-year scholarship. Mm. The ones that have the scholarships. Okay, when when is the scholarship good? Is it good through the end of the season? Or is it from January the 1st to December the 31st? Or how does that work? Because, to, and I mean, I don't know, I'm asking a question. If, yeah. if they leave before the season is over, do they owe some money back to the school for that scholarship? Yeah, that's. I mean, that is a very interesting question. I could not imagine... I couldn't imagine they would do so, um, and if anything like that happened, I, I wonder if the team taking them in the transfer portal would be responsible for that cost, or if it would like get folded into, you know, whatever they might owe when it comes to the next school, you, you know, as far as their tuition goes. All right, hang on just a second. And if you'd like to know, it's raining pretty hard at the Rose Bowl right now. Is it? Yeah. It says athletic scholarships are given on a yearly basis. Many athletes and their families make the mistake of belief that athletic scholarships last all four years in college, but it's not true. That means they award you financial aid one year at a time. It says no full ride athletic scholarships are typically one year agreements between the college and and the athlete, although some are multi multi year. Hmm. And maybe behind the scenes, maybe that has something to do with the portal filling up because if you're not performing, this is all just, you know, me thinking out loud. If you're not performing and they're not going to renew your scholarship, maybe you need to get out and go somewhere else. You're not responsible for that to Extremely high tuition cost. It says, with the exception of major conferences, 
and then it says in parentheses power five the majority of athletic scholarships are guaranteed only a year they are renewed as long as the student athlete fulfills the coach's expectation and has no academic or conduct issues so that would sound like everybody except the power five is is the way that i hear it is that right yeah that's that's basically what it said what you take you take like jay uh cohen i mean he was a starter for two years Mm -hmm. and you enter the port but from what the way I've read into it and everything, uh, he must have developed a bad attitude oh. in the last few games. It says, too, they have to have the minimum of the GPA as well. Some renew every year, while others require you to reapply to receive it again. Um, yeah, but all them, with the athletes, all them folks behind the scenes take yeah. care of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, the ball player. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I I that was very interesting, and I actually did not know that. It sounds like the Power Five conferences is, is they're set up a bit differently, um, as opposed to uh, you know the Group of Five and so on. Uh, maybe maybe their scholarships do have some sort uh, of full ride agreement. And it might be simply because they have the money that the group of fives don't. Um, but that would be interesting to to look a little deeper into and to see, because I do wonder what a, what what effect that would have on the transfer portal if you uh, if you're feeling like you're not going to get your scholarship renewed, or maybe you're getting word about that, you might have to hop on a train and go to the next team. Um, where it's not as competitive, and you get the opportunity to play some more. Otherwise. Um, you're going to be one of those people that's paying way too much for college because there's no reason college should be fifty to sixty to seventy thousand dollars or more. That is just goofy. I know it's it's awful <laughs> the price. And it- well, as we start to close this particular episode down, any thoughts that you want to share? Uh, Aunt Cindy on the 2022 season, and uh, I know we're going to be looking forward to what happens over the coming weeks as Alabama fans because we want a couple of guys to uh, get a free ride out of town. (laughs) Well, you know, um, I won't mention the name, but um, a well-known sports journalist, has really been bashing uh, Coach Saban like this season, you know, for the 2022 season. And um, I told Bill yesterday, I said, I mean, he can bash him all day, but they still only lost two games. I mean, that, right. I mean, that, you know, you don't want to lose a game at all, but they still only lost two. And so, like, for this particular person to continue to, um, you know, really put him down and everything like that, um, I was like, well, wow, he's acting like we've lost all the games. (laughs) Well, 
If I was Alabama Sports Information Director, I'd tell this guy, you're off limits to Coach Saban. He's not going to conduct no more interviews with you. I mean, the way he has bad-mouthed him this year and talked down about him and called him names this year, he wouldn't be allowed any more access to him. Okay, who is this guy? You know. We'll tell you off the podcast. <laughs> you, it wouldn't take you long to figure it out, but he they they wouldn't be allowed access to Coach Saban no more. Holy cow. Just, I can't imagine the terrible things that he said. I mean, if you look at these games, the Tennessee game, um, it was complete mismanagement, in my opinion, of the clock at the end of the game for us to be able to win. But Tennessee – was a highly competitive and very difficult team to play against. Mm-hmm. The LSU, that LSU loss, there is just simply no excuse to me. Um, there's no excuse that we should have lost to that football team, especially the way they showed up against Georgia, and they just got absolutely – it was a boat – they boat raced their tail right out of the stadium. It was embarrassing. So, you know, I could see that. But I can I can understand being critical – of this season's performance, not like directly, directly insulting him as a human being. That is absurd. Um, but you know, holding him accountable for his coaching that um, to me, that's a necessity, especially for a guy who's high profile, getting paid a ton of money and has, you know, set the standard in college football. Um, like I've said, this season, if you accept the accolades, you got to accept uh, the criticism as well. But when you get when you get personal about it, you know that that's just unnecessary. So that's pretty sad. And like uh, you know, the other thing we've talked about, uh, Georgia just about they were just moments away from losing this major dynasty <laughs> that they that they're apparently on. You know, and it's, uh, for me, you know, it's so funny. As an Alabama fan, I like Georgia, and I I pull for them to win. There's no animosity, unless they beat us. There's no animosity in my heart for them to do well, but I just don't think it goes the other way, and maybe that's because they were on the wrong side of history so many years in a row, and they just couldn't find a way to beat Alabama. Yeah. Bill, what are your final thoughts for 2022's football season? I know know there's another game. Uh, well, it wasn't what I hoped for. I wanted us to be the national champs, but it didn't work out. But uh, as we've seen in years past, it makes us hungry for the next year. But, uh, you know, what is it in 24? The playoff expands to 12. So they might want well to get used to seeing us. Yeah, and I think that's going to add some uh, some parity to this game because – there are going to be some teams in there that are just flat out not competitive. And then there's going to be some teams in there that just got off to a bad start and they're coming for the money. Yeah. And, uh, it'll be, it will be a lot of fun. And, uh, it's nice to know when, uh, it's your favorite football team that has caused a change in the playoff structure because they were just there too often. Yeah. So, you know, and the other thing that's going to do is, um, it's going to allow Alabama more opportunities, not less, but more opportunities right. to get in even after um, the Saban era is done. So, you know, hats off to them. I hope uh, I hope it, uh, hope it makes them happy. I know it's going to make us happy because we're going to get the chance to go out and win some more natties, baby. That's when you think about Quincy, 15 years straight, Alabama's won it at 11 games. I mean – 
that's unheard of. that's crazy it is crazy in the and I guess my final uh, my final stats that I would talk about is 188 wins, 13 10 plus win seasons, and six national championships. Right. Nobody else. No matter what happens, if he loses every game next season, that does not remove his title as the goat. And uh, you know, he you want to give him all the criticism when he when he's not winning, and then take away. Uh, the praise and say it was all about the assistant coaches um, when he wins the games, but you got to be fair. You know, he's, he is the head coach. So when uh, I think I said that backwards, but when the guy wins, it's because, you know, he's put the right people in the right place and uh, given them the opportunity to go out and do what they do. And when he loses, he just wasn't properly game planned or the, the other team had a better game plan. And, uh, they just weren't as good that day. But to me, I say that because his legacy speaks for itself, and uh, I'm I'm happy as a college football fan that he was here, you know, in my lifetime, and that I got to experience it. I was way too young to experience the Bear Bryant era. So what Coach Saban has done for for college football. Man, I just uh, – I don't know anybody else that could have towed the line like he's done. So I hope he's got another one or two left in him and uh, he goes and shows everybody what it's all about. But that – Kirby and Kirby, that's where he's learned. He right. learned what they're doing at Georgia from Coach Saban. Right. And it's, uh, it's up to him, you know, to take and tweak and continue that. And like I've said before, I hate to keep repeating myself, but any – any mentor that's worth his weight in salt always wants to make the person that he's mentoring better than he was. So you don't you don't go and make the same mistakes that he did early on in his career. You actually get to learn from what he did, and you were a part. Obviously, he was a part of the success um, for Alabama. But at the same time, you have you are your launch pad is in a different location than his. So I don't I don't think uh, I don't if if you ask me I don't think Kirby has any questions about the impact that Coach Saban had um, on his coaching career and I don't believe that Kirby is the kind of man who will forget where he came from. Right. Well, you know, you can compare that to like being in ministry. Um, yes. Like a lot of pastors, maybe they you know they raise their kids like in their churches that they pastor and right. their, their kids never leave. Like they stay, they work for their dads. They stay, you know, on staff at their dad's church when they become, you know, young adults or adults. But your goal is to invest in people and then if they're called into ministry, you want them to go do ministry. You know, like when we came here, I mean, this little church is small, but we had several, you know, young people. Well, you invest in their lives and, you know, several of them, when they got married, they left. But they're doing ministry. At other places, you know, and so um, 
one moved out of town or, you know, they got married and they went, they were offered a, another place. So it's the same way in coaching. Like these people coach under like Coach Saban, they learn all this stuff. And then when they have the opportunity to come their way, I mean, that's the point they've learned and they've, you know, um, been under somebody that's really good like he is. So you want them to go out and have their time. You know, a lot of people, um, like with their kids being in ministry, the kids don't want to leave out from under their parents. I mean, you raise your child to go spread their wings and fly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, um, so, it, you know, you can can compare it to that. It's um, just like with Mike Bleach. I didn't realize all those guys had been under him that are now like coaching, you know, head coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he invested and he, you know, I'm sure taught them so many things, not just about football, but even life lesson stuff. And so, you know, now they can go on and, and do that too. So, and you know, Coach Saban and Miss Terry, they do a lot in the community of Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Like they, they do a lot oh, every my. year. I mean, they give, they um, you know, help with the Habitat for Humanity. Um, he takes the team, you know, the players out and they work and help build. And, um, you know, they went to the Children's Hospital or had something to do with the Children's Hospital there at the Sugar Bowl, the players. And, I mean, they're always uh, doing things like that. To me, that's a way that they you keep, help keep the players, you know, where they're not thinking so highly of themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, I yeah. they're giving back to um, the place that they came and they've made an impact there, not just in football, but a- another way that they can, you know, uh, give back. And hopefully when they go pro, wherever they land, they will continue to do that. You know, Jalen has done that. Mac Jones has right. done that. Um, so, that's good to see that when players go and continue that, you know what I mean? So it's just like in many, you see that person go out. Um, I, I came across this quote and Bill even mentioned it while he was preaching yesterday. You know, if you only reach one person, that one person matters to God. Amen. But that one person could reach thousands who then would in turn that next person could reach millions. And so, you know, when we think, Oh, that one doesn't matter. I mean, the one person does matter because you don't know who reach and influence. So, you know, I think it was, uh, articulated quite beautifully that Jesus Christ would leave 99 sheep to go find one. Right. um, Because the one matters. And, uh, you know, he sees you and those lives matter that you impact. Yeah. And I think all too often it's, it's not until, cause we, I, I'm not good at accepting compliments and it, it just feels kind of weird to get compliments. And I think it, it's sad because it's, it's only after somebody's gone that, um, that you really get a deep sense of how much you really had while they were there. So we sometimes we just don't take the time that's necessary. And 
um, to appreciate people and and to really admire the impact they're having, you know, on people in general. And so don't undersell yourself. Yeah. Um, and don't undersell the people that you're talking to and understand that uh, those people out there, you know, just to just to say it like a, a, a kind word or a smile or opening the door. Those things go a long way to change somebody's life. And then if you get the opportunity, the absolute uh, privilege of, of speaking or teaching or mentoring somebody, never take that for granted ever. Yeah. Um, and like you say, that that is so well said. Aunt Cindy and Uncle Bill, you know, maybe you only reach one, but that one goes and reaches a thousand. And, and then it just compacts. It just uh, compounds from there, if you will. So that is uh, that's a good word. And, you know, that's that's as, as goofy as it seems. And I keep saying this. It's like what in the last umpteen years has ever brought us together, this group of people that do the podcast, even though it's, you know, not the same group every single time, but what's brought us together where we just sit and talk and talk about football or life or scream at Josh or whatever it is we're doing. What else has brought us together like this? Hey, by the way, was that a picture of your son? That was a picture of Hunter. Yes, sir. I told you it was. Tell him that uh, I have a uh, an issue with his room. <laughs> I bet you do. Did I see just putrid Los Angeles Dodger stuff <laughs> in that room? Yeah, you saw the yeah. Dodgers, baby. Tell him, I didn't see nothing Alabama in there. <laughs> oh, that's just one corner. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably on another wall. <laughs> that, yeah, that's they, just one corner. Tell him they spend they, all this money and they still can't win a championship. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> Oh, they yeah, I thought he was a cool dude. <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll let him know. All right, folks, we got to wrap this episode up. It was fantastic. Uh, I love playing with the players we have. I am appreciative. I don't take your time for granted. Uh, Uncle Bill, Wild Bill, Aunt Cindy, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to do this podcast. And uh, it is great just to get to talk and interact and spend some time talking Alabama football, something that uh, brings us all together. So, as you know, I really appreciate you. Funny, funniest um, thing during the whole bowl season, during the Tennessee game the other night, I don't know if everybody saw it, it's Tennessee student section. This one boy, he probably weighed 350, 400 pounds, no shirt on up there. Just bouncing around everywhere. Man alive, I died. I said, look, I'm in the student section. That's the funniest thing I've seen at the bowl games. So <laughs> I'll have to go check that out. That might have been me one day. Oh, yeah. Good old Rocky Tops. Oh, yeah. All righty. Well, she is Cindy, the superstar. Smith, our saving correspondent, he is wild. Bill, bringing us his Bama bullet points, and I am Quincy Moran, a.k.a. The Q-Dog. And this is the BS Podcast. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Ole Miss Wednesday night. Kentucky Wildcats come to town Saturday. One message for you two from your aunt. Uh-huh. She will bust both of you in the head. You know who me? Not rocket science, you know. I think you, like me, 
um, have a face for radio. Can y'all hear me? Okay. We gonna play with the players we got. The next man up. That's why it sucks. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. This kind of unprofessionalism does not need to be tolerated. And I mean it. Like, you know who me? You know who me? You know who me? You know who me? What the hell is going on here? Let's all hang up. Another episode of the BS Podcast. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's all kinds of noise in my ear now. Oh, jeez. We need a little bit more professionalism.